throughout central Illinois that are participating in this study together. And so there's Christians in Leroy this morning that are going through this right now, and Christians in Decatur, and College Park, and Normal, and really everywhere in between. We've got Christian churches, there's Baptist churches, Assembly of God churches, there's a Lutheran church, there's a Methodist church. And I really think that um, we need to tell that story more than we do. Um, For too long, I think, different denominations, and I would put the independent Christian church, even though we're not a denomination, sometimes we kind of function like that. We have this um, perspective, we might not say it out loud, but we kind of think we're the only Christians, and we certainly think that we're the right Christians and everybody else is wrong. And I love the fact that um, Grace United Methodist and Riverside Baptist and, and churches of various different denominational backgrounds are doing this series with us today. You should feel good about that. You should tell that story. Now, we're going to talk today about what happens after I die, one of four questions that we're going to consider over the next month. Before we get there, I've got some announcements I want to throw out for you. Today is Friend Day at FCC, and if you are the friend of someone and you're here because somebody invited you, we are so glad that you're here. We have a special gift for you at our Welcome Center. Uh, would love to be able to give that to you and tell you more about FCC. Also tonight, a brand new worship gathering takes place in the foyer of the sanctuary at 5 p.m. It's called Sabbath End. It's probably unlike anything you've ever been a part of. People have said, is it a worship service? Kind of, yeah. Very uh, laid back, very low tech. Um, We're not going to worry about time. And it's going to involve worship, and it's going to involve spiritual encouragement, and it's going to involve prayer. So if you want to come on out, we think it's going to be about 90 minutes. Ken and Susan Klein and Dave and Becky Glenn are kind of taking the lead in this. That's tonight, 5 p.m. Tuesday is a reload for men in the Family Life Center at 6 a.m. Come on out. This Saturday, the Beth Moore simulcast is taking place here at FCC, and it is free. You probably can't go anywhere in the U.S. except Clinton FCC and get this simulcast for free. We're so thankful for a member of our community that is funding this. He wants to remain anonymous, and we want to honor that. But his one goal is to get as many women as possible to come out this Saturday for the Beth Moore simulcast. Please come on out. Fan the Flame featuring Michael W. Smith is a week from Saturday at ISU, Braden Auditorium. Uh, That'll tell you how to get tickets there. If you don't know, call the office. We'll set you up. And two weeks from today, one service Sunday at 9.30 a.m. If you come at 8.15, you'll be really, really early. So one service, 9.30, not next week, but two weeks from today, and that is apple and pork weekend. So what happens after we die? Have you thought about that? Have you considered that? Well, part of our um, blessing from uh, the sermon series, Tell Me More, and the 20 different churches that are participating, is we have a lot of different people that are able to provide uh, resources in many different ways. And we had a team that had a video camera, and they had a microphone, and they decided they were going to make their way to the Decatur celebration about a month ago and ask that very simple question, What happens after I die? Well, let's look at what some of the responses were. I'd like to welcome all of our 
accepted Jesus into my life. I believe I'm going to heaven. Um, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I'll say that till the day I die. No one knows, so no one can say really. All we know is that it's either we were buried or we're cremated in that city. I believe heaven. If you give your life to the Lord and you truly think He's the Savior, I believe you go to heaven. I feel like we can really send ourselves places with our thoughts. And I think, you know, it really just depends on your mindset of, you know, where you go. Like, because I, I believe in the spirit and I believe in the body, and I think that it's really a choice. Oh, heaven. I believe in heaven. You need to go to hell, heaven or hell. Well, I'm going to heaven. I hope everybody else and all my friends and family are coming too. So. As a non religious person, I just believe you go to the ground. So, it's my saying, just, everyone goes in the ground, rich or poor, you go to the ground either way. So a lot of people at the Decatur Celebration, at least the people that were uh, interviewed, seem to think they're going to heaven. They're going to be with Jesus. That's a good answer. My man that was on the screen at the end there, he said, we're all just going to the ground. We're all just going to, this life is all that there is. Um, what happens after I die? That's the question of the morning. Here's the reality. Death is a really big deal. It really is. And you may be sitting there and you may say, I don't fear death. Hopefully that's your answer. Death is still a really big deal. And it's a really big deal, not just for you, the one that's going to die, but it's a really big deal for people that love you and care about you. That's one of the, the huge misnomers about funerals. And this statement is not sponsored by Calvert Funeral Home or anybody else, but funerals aren't for you. Visitations aren't for you. They are there to comfort loved ones who, who are just struggling with your death. So keep that in mind. But here's the catch. Most, even people of faith, do not want to deal with with the reality of death. Many times I'll get the call. For years, Kent Hickerson would get the call. Will you go to the hospital? My Aunt Bessie is about to pass away. My father's about to pass away. My child is about to pass away. My neighbor is about to pass away. Will you go? Will you bring them comfort? Will you go? Will you pray with them? Many times I'll ask the question, you know, are you at peace with the fact that death is closer maybe than it's ever been before and many times people engage that conversation i've had people on their deathbed look me in the eye and say i don't want to discuss it i don't want to go down that road whatever will happen will happen what happens after i die well this message this morning is a a, a very deductive message i'm going to answer three questions and hopefully these are questions you have pondered what do we know will happen after we die? What do we not know? What, what, what is really unknown or unclear? And then the most important question of all is, what should we do? And the basis for where I'm going this morning is right here. It's God's Word. Um, one of the things I love about the Independent Christian Church, if you have a copy of the six staples of our church, what's the very first staple of, uh, of FCC? It's that our authority comes from the Word of God. 
This isn't what does Greg think. This isn't what does a group of preachers think. We're tackling it from the perspective of what does God's word tell us? And I will tell you going in, there's a lot we are not sure about. There's a lot where there's room for speculation. But the wrong answer is to ignore the question whatsoever. The wrong answer is to do nothing at all. So let's dive in. Number one, what do we know? Really, there's three things that we know. And number one is this, we know that all will die. We know that. Gallup did a recent study and they found that one out of every one people will die. I mean, it's a reality. It's an absolute reality. Some are gathered here today and you will die in 2017, more than likely. Some who are gathered here today, you've got five, six, maybe seven decades left on this earth. But everyone that's here today, we have this in common, we will all die. Hebrews 9.27 tells us, just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, all will die. Here's the second thing that we know as we study God's word, and it's that some will die, and sadly, they will go to hell. That's a biblical truth. We don't like that truth. We don't want that truth. There are preachers who I think have really good intentions that have tried to undo that truth. But you can't study the 66 books of the Bible and walk away and say, everyone's going to heaven. Or everyone's just going to the ground. There is absolutely a theology of hell. Now, is there speculation on what that looks like? Absolutely. And I'll talk a little bit about that later in the message. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Paul teaching the Christians in the region of Thessalonica, in the city of Thessalonica, in the region around there. Here's what he says. God will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. One of the things that will happen following this message is at least one of you, maybe more of you, will come and you'll say, you know, Pastor, I really don't know enough about hell. I really don't know enough about this idea of eternal separation, this everlasting destruction. And so I have a resource I bought some books this week, and I'd love to sell them for our church's cost. If you can't pay for it, I'd love to just give it to you. And it's entitled Erasing Hell by Francis Chan and Preston Sprinkle. Here's what I love about this book. They tackle every single scripture in the Bible that talks about hell. It's a Bible study. And so they're at the Welcome Center, and I think we paid $8 for them. If you, if you want to grab one and pay $8, great. If you don't have the $8, take it. The only thing is don't take it if you're not going to read it. Don't take it if you're not going to study it. But this will help you if you want to better understand what's the Bible say. I'm going to summarize. The Bible says this, some will go to hell. Now, here's the third thing that we know. And this is good news. Some will go to heaven. Some will go to heaven. And according to that video that we just watched, a whole bunch of people are planning on going to heaven. And that's good. And hopefully you're here today and this sermon doesn't lead you to go, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble. Hopefully this sermon is an amen. 
Praise the Lord. I can't wait. Let me give you a snapshot of what I believe heaven will look like from a biblical perspective. It's Revelation chapter 21. And um, here's the picture that John gives us from the vision that he had of a new heaven and a new earth. And here's what he says beginning in verse 3. He hears this voice and here's what the voice says. Now the dwelling of God is with men. He will live with them. So God's going to be with us. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. That sounds like relationship. That sounds like enjoyment. That sounds like conversation. Let me read on. It gets really good. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. I I can't wait for that. The community where my kids go to school, Mount Pulaski, has been absolutely inundated with tragedy the last two and a half months. One of the strongest Christians, uh, one, one of my heroes in life, a guy named Micah Wakeman, Decatur firefighter, died tragically in an accident in mid-June. A recent high school graduate, Evan Connor, died two weeks ago in an automobile accident. A sweet little 12-year-old boy died Tuesday in an ATV accident. It's just sad. It's just heartbreaking. People are saying, why? People are trying to find answers. And one of the places that I've directed grieving people to go is Revelation 21. It's not going to be like that forever. I don't know about you. I can't wait for the day that there's no more death and no more mourning and no more crying and no more pain. Why? Because the old way, the old order has passed away. I can't wait for that. It gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. This morning, pretty quickly, I want to give you two Jesus um, teachings on life and death. And I'm not going to go super in-depth, so you probably should later, but I want to reference them for you. And the first is a Jesus encounter during his darkest moment on the earth. It's found in Luke chapter 23. The context is Jesus is being crucified. And there's a thief on his right and there's a thief on his left. And let's pick it up in verse 40. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered with him, I tell you the truth. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. There's a lot in that we don't know. 
But that's a pretty clear indication from Jesus himself that there will be this place, paradise, that will lead to this place, heaven or the new earth, whatever it looks like, eternity with the Lord. That's a Jesus encounter. Jesus also gave us a parable in Luke chapter 16, and it's a little bit longer. I'm going to read all of it for us this morning. And um, in your Bible, it probably is entitled The Rich Man and Lazarus. Listen to this parable. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Well, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell, some translations say Hades, where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called out to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. Well, Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here. You are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets, let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, then they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. And the purpose of this parable in this study is to show that some go to hell and some go to heaven. Some are in agony, and some are comforted. Here's kind of the bottom line of what we know. It's a great teaching. It's a scripture maybe you could memorize if you're wrestling with the reality of death. Here's what it says, 2 Corinthians 5a, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's incredible encouragement for followers of Jesus Christ. So that's what we know. Well, what do we not know? There's a whole bunch more that we don't know than we do know. And you may find that discouraging. I, I, I'm okay with it. But here are several of the things that we don't know. Number one, will there be a rapture? How many of you have seen the Left Behind movies or you've read, you've read the, the Left Behind books and you know, maybe you're waiting for that day that you're getting ready to go to the football game and a whole bunch of people just mysteriously disappear and you're hoping that you're one of the people that mysteriously disappears. I don't think it's going to play out like that. That's a theology that came around around 1850, 1860. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Kirk Cameron and crew are right. I don't know. I'm not sure about rapture. What about time? Will there be time in eternity? Do we know the timing of when Jesus is going to come again? The answer to that, by the way, is no. Every person that's tried to predict the actual return of Jesus, they're 
They're always wrong. When they say, this is when he's coming back, no one's ever nailed it. But will there be time in eternity? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. What about judgment? Will there be this initial judgment that happens? Say, I die today. Will there be this initial judgment and then I go to, to a waiting period and you know, waiting for the final judgment and the second judgment when Jesus comes? Or when I die is the next thing that I know as I'm facing God the Father? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, specifics about eternity with the Lord. What are the specifics about eternity with the Lord? Will there really be streets of gold? I don't know. Will, will I be in a new heaven? Will I be in a restored earth? Will I be in a renewed earth? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. What about specifics about eternity without the Lord? You know, will it be eternal wailing and gnashing of teeth? I, I don't know. More and more scholars today, more than ever before, believe in a theology called annihilation. That if you are not good with God the Father and you face judgment, and it's not a, a positive, that instead of this eternal weeping and gnashing and burning, that it's simply annihilation. And that separation from the Lord is agony. And I don't know. I'm not sure. Now, some of you are gathered here today, you probably got some pretty strong opinions about those five things. Rapture, time, judgment, the specifics of eternity with the Lord, specifics about eternity without the Lord, and you are welcome to have those. God bless you, seriously. I stand before you today, I don't know. Our team came up with this chart about what might possibly happen, and I was confused by it, and I thought if I'm confused by it, we're probably all going to be confused by it. I'm not even going to show it, but I would say this, there's a lot that we don't know for sure. And so that leads me to the final and most important part of this message, the so what, the what do I do, what are the action points, what do I do with a message like this, because we know that everyone's going to die. And we know that some will go to hell, whatever that is. And we know that some will go to heaven, whatever that looks like. And so what do we do with that? Where do we go from here? Two suggestions. Number one, put your house in order. Put your house in order. In 2 Kings chapter 20, you can look it up later if you want to. It's uh, the account of the life of King Hezekiah, great king, he's told, put your house in order. You are going to die. Now, he begs the Lord, pleads with the Lord, prays to the Lord, give me more time. And God gives him more time, gives him like 15 more years. But the principle behind it is some of us, maybe all of us, need to put our house in order. How do I put my house in order? Well, I would say this. If you find yourself alienated relationally from someone in your life that you previously had a strong relationship with, I would encourage you to put your house in order. There are people that have passed that um, when they passed, there was conflict, not, not terrible conflict, but conflict, 
and how I wouldn't give anything to go back and have one more conversation. Not to go back and say, I'm right and you're wrong. You know what I wish I could go back and say? I'm sorry. I love you. Will you forgive me? Put your house in order. Here's another way you can put your house in order. And that is to create a funeral file for your family. And that can be a whole bunch of different things. That can be, hey, you know, I want a visitation and funeral on the same day. This is the person that, that I want at my funeral. I want Dixie to play the organ at my funeral. Um, I want to launch balloons from the cemetery. Wh whatever that may be. But to help your family, because here's the thing. When my dad died seven and a half, almost eight years ago, it was unexpected. I knew it was going to happen sooner or later. He wasn't in great health. But when I got that call at 4 o'clock in the morning and he died about five hours later, um, we were just kind of in this stunned state of, well, wh where do we go from here? What do we do? We found out that my dad had prepaid the Woodlawn Cemetery in Urbana, the, the, the grave digging. Saved my mom like $1,000. We didn't know that. And that was a good thing. But sometimes there could be surprises that aren't such good things. So I know it sounds morbid. I know it sounds maybe less than couth in the eyes of some. Be transparent. Have conversations. Write, write it down. Ty type it up on your computer. Create a funeral file. The last thing I'm going to say to you today is the most important thing that I'm going to say to you today. And not only should you put your house in order, the most important thing you need to do is make sure that your spiritual house is in order. Make sure your spiritual house is in order. And here's the thing. Nobody can do that except you. I, I can't do that for you. Your spouse can't do that for you. Your child can't do that for you. Your parent can't do that for you. Your best friend can't do that for you. They can assist you. But at the end of the day, only you can put your spiritual house in order. I talked earlier about the book of Romans and our Bible school classes going through the book of Romans. And if you're not in a class or a study group, come join us. We're in the Family Life Center. We serve Andy Hedrick coffee every Sunday. It's some of the best coffee you'll ever get. It's a, it's a lot of fun studying God's word. But the book of Romans is really one big research paper by the Apostle Paul proving that Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord. And the only hope that exists is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I ask a rhetorical question, but I want everyone to answer it in your heart today. Is Jesus your Savior? Not did you grow up in the church. Not have you been going to the church your whole life. Not are you a good person. Not, not does that televangelist bring a tear to your eye from time to time. Is Jesus your Savior? God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not 
perish, but have eternal life. Is Jesus your Savior? Here's the second question. Is Jesus your Lord? Is Jesus your Lord? There's a saying that the youngsters use today. You're not the boss of me, they will say. Is Jesus the boss of you? See, one of the real tragedies in modern-day Christianity, especially in America, far too many of us have accepted a la carte Christianity. Buffet Christianity. Give me some grace, but I'm going to go light on the truth. Forgiveness of sins, absolutely. Double helping, please. But, but i got to change how I live my life? I don't know. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I'm getting ready to pray in just a moment, but I would tell you, don't leave this church today if your answer to both of those questions is not absolutely yes. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to, um, to be a little morbid this morning, talking about death, considering death, looking at death. But God, I'm so thankful that um, for Christians, for people who follow Jesus, um, this should be an encouraging sermon. This should be a, a study that we embrace and so, God, right now, I, I just I have two thoughts on my heart. And number one is, anyone is here today, and they are not a follower of Jesus. Will you make them uncomfortable? Will you cause discomfort, discontent? Will you help them begin to wrestle with life without Jesus for all of eternity? But God, for those of us who are followers of Jesus and we're excited about a time when there's no more death and no more mourning and no more crying and no more pain because the old order has passed away. I want us to be discontented as well. I want us to be uncomfortable as well. We know in your word that you want all people to be saved. And so give us this burning desire to be your ambassador, to be your mouthpiece, to be a blessing to people who need a savior. We love you so much. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.